Hello, your backup plan tribe. I'm so excited to be here today. Um, I, I have such a wonderful guest and we're Canadian. So I had to wear my red plaid today because we're both Canadians. Welcome, welcome your backup plan tribe to our broadcast this week. And you are going to love it. So stay tuned. If you are new here, welcome. My name is Tina Ginn. And I have Talking Taboo with Tina. Yes. Brought to you by your backup plan app, as you can see from our beautiful commercial that we put on. Uh, we focus on real, raw conversations. Yes. With our guests, with our listeners about their journey from a life-changing event in their life. Your backup plan app, you know, what What exactly is it? It's you put your life all in one place in case of any unpredictable circumstance while taking that painful aftermath out of that tragedy because things happen, right? You know, one thing we can count on is that things happen in life. We don't know when. And we don't know why exactly they happen, but we all are going to either die, get disabled, have our house born down, um, have some tragic news about a sickness. Uh, there's so many different things. Uh, for example, the condo collapse in Florida, you know, crazy things that happen, floods, wildfires, you name it. And the app puts your life, everything that you could have lost in your house fire, any information that you could have lost when you um, are in a coma and no one in your family knows about it, uh, to find your information. Where's your stuff? Uh, right? So on a famous quote from Mike Tyson, of course, everyone has a plan until you're punched in the mouth. Yes. Because things we prepare, you know, we prepare for everything in life, uh, marriage, uh, travel, trips, we prepare for school to start, we prepare for graduations, but we don't prepare for the biggest thing in our life is that changing event. So I'm going to be able to tell you how to do that. And so with uh, the Emerging Blueprint that's coming up, launching very soon, we will be able to provide you a library of videos, worksheets, some templates, having those family deep conversations with your family members about things that you perhaps don't know what to ask, but they're on our worksheet. So it makes it very simple. Have some appies, have a glass of wine, and get on with the family conversation meeting that I've put together for you guys. So welcome, welcome to our show. Again, my name is Tina. We're talking Taboo with Tina podcast. I am an emergency preparedness coach, a best-selling author of In the Blink of an Eye, a financial expert and an app developer of Your Backup Plan app. And I'm located right here in Vancouver, BC. And I'd like to welcome all of you brand new to our channel. Welcome. I'm super to have you all with us today. Those of you who are repeat visitors, welcome. I'd love to have you come back. I, I can't 
we wouldn't be here without you. So if you have already subscribed, um, thank you. And if you haven't, I'm going to get out the hand because right down here is the subscribe button. Click on that subscribe button, everybody, and push on that bell so you get notified. Um, I'd like to welcome our United States and Canadian listeners always. And our international German is the next biggest listener. So welcome, my German listeners. Meine deutsche Freunde sind unserem Podcast willkommen. Wenn Sie Kommentare haben, können Sie gerne Fragen stellen. Also danke für deine Freundschaft. Danke fürs Hören, meine deutsche Freunde. So thank you so very much. My Ireland listeners are next so far. Um, and I don't have an Irish accent for you. But uh, we're, we will work on that. And the next one, of course, is Sweden. And so welcome, my Swedish listeners. I will also practice that one for you. So let's get this party started, everybody. If you have found us and are listening to our channel, you are here for a reason. Believe me, if you found us, you are here for a reason. So please like share and subscribe so that um, you can help your family, friends, and even those that you don't like. Why not, right? So um, our special guest today is beautiful Rosemary from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And so hence I wore my red plaid shirt because we are here as Canadians today. So thank you for joining us. Welcome to our show, Rosemary. I'm going to bring her on right now. There she is. Hello, everybody. Welcome, Rosemary. I'm going to um, let all our listeners today give you a beautiful welcoming. So Rosemary here, I'm not going to try her last name, but she can tell us what it is. <laughs> It, it sounds so easy, but I know I would mess it up. So um, Rosemary is the courageous woman who got tired of crying herself to sleep to the grief that she experienced. Our title today for our show is What It Means to Love Again After a Loss. She regained her power to pull back the dark veil of grief, regret that kept her stuck in a pity party mindset. She survived an unresolved and complicated life after losing her husband, her parents, and her brothers. Wow. She realized that the power to change her life was actually within her. Rosemary is a domestic violence survivor, a counselor, a Reiki master, an angeletic healer, a speaker, and a relationship coach. Now she's on a mission to face the world and help other individuals to dismantle the chains of grief, of trauma, restart their lives, find purpose, abundance, and peace. That sounds awesome. And she's the author of Exhume or Heal, a widow's memoir, Getting Her Groove Back, that sounds awesome. I don't have that book yet, but I'm definitely going to order it on Amazon. All our listeners, all the descriptions of below are in the description box. All the tags of where to reach Rosemary, myself, 
and as well as the book and all of her retreats also are below. So welcome, Rosemary. That's quite the little story to start your story off. Um, I'm so excited to bring this to our listeners because, you know, everybody falls into this realm somewhere, somewhere in their life. Yes, yes, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Tina. It's an honor to be on your show. Thank you. Thank you so much. So where did this all start for you, Rosemary? Where do you think, you know, where did you start, but where did you come to realize? Uh, My journey started uh, in 2000 when I lost my husband. He was a victim of circumstances being in the wrong place at the wrong time, around the wrong people, and he lost his life. Um, I was in my mid-30s when all that happened. My youngest child was only five years old, and I was still back in Africa. And uh, during the 2000s, it was hard, you know, losing your husband at that young age. Mm -hmm. And I had three children. My oldest was... Uh, almost ready to go into uh, high school, like like boarding school, the hybrid school, uh, Form 1, as we say, which is grade 8 here in Canada. So, so you had uh, two? I had three. Three kids, okay. Yeah, three kids. So my youngest was five, my son was, was nine, and my, my daughter had just turned 12. Wow. Years old, yeah. So they were all very young. Um, none of them were, were teenagers yet. So it was tough, you know, and um, to make ma- uh, matters worse, my husband had a business as well. We were both lecturers at the same college, but uh, my husband had um, an engineering business on the side. So we were surviving on three incomes. So when he passed away, I crashed down to one income. Oh, that hurts. So it was, yeah, it was like a wake-up call for me. How am I going to do this? After the funeral, you come back home and... uh, Try to put your head on? Yeah, reality (laughs) set in now. What's my next step? What am I going to do? And, you know, uh, back then, it was tough being an African widow because uh, you have the in-laws that want to control everything. I had to fight for everything, but I couldn't get everything back. So it was like I had to start from zero. Fortunately, I I had the civil marriage, so that kind of saved me um, to keep my children and also keep uh, a few of uh, the financial status that we we had uh, accumulated. Yeah. But otherwise, uh, some of the things like the cows, the house that was in the village, all that was taken away. So uh, I had no control over that. Some of the paperwork, I had to go to my lawyer to get everything back. Um, so I was thankful for that. And then, But you know, it doesn't matter what country you live in. There's always some rules or regulations or family yes. dynamics that change that issue and it's surprising in a death what comes out of people you know and uh 
it's really funny how people change when your loved one is gone. You know, um, everything is all lovey-dovey when your husband is still alive and then suddenly he's gone and you're all alone. Nobody wants to have anything to do with you. Everybody's looking for an opportunity to grab something from you. And uh, you are now a stranger in a family that was uh, yours when you got married. Everybody treats you like you are an outsider. At events, you are introduced as, oh, that is so-and-so's widow. <laughs> you are no longer Rosemary, but you are Temba's widow. Temba uh, is the name of my late husband. And uh, all that. And then you also face um, friendships, you know, you get estranged from your coupled friends. Um, most of those that were our friends, a lot of them just, you know, disappeared into thin air. And then when events are organized, you get excluded. When family gatherings are organized, you are the last one to be invited. Or but at all. Or at all, if you get invited. But what I've learned is um, somebody told me that, uh, you know what, the reason why widows are not invited to events is widows, you are very boring. And they said, why? <laughs> and they said, yeah, <laughs> because uh, you are always talking your life in past tense because you say, oh, I used to cook for my husband. I used to do this with Temba. I used to do this, but for us, we are talking in present tense. It's like I am, you know, present tense or future tense. I am going to, or I, I, I am doing this with my husband. And you have nothing to share, you know, on your other side of your ex-coupled life. And I'm like, really? But wouldn't you want to, to learn from me in case, you know, things like that happen to you? But people uh, don't think like that most of the times, you know. They always think um, like that will never happen to them. And it's true because for me, when I got married, Tina, I said my vows like, um, let death separate us, right? Mm -hmm. we'll be together until death separate us. But I didn't know that death was going to separate us 12 years down the line. No. And it started to haunt me which is uh, what everybody uh, is never prepared for. When you get married, Tina, you go and see a pastor, right? And then mm -hmm. you get those premarital preparations or the lessons how to, um, to live a life as a couple, what to do with your finances, your families, stuff like that. You get prepared for that. But when you become a widow, there's no college or trainers, even a divorcee, no trainers to train the divorcees or the widows on how to carry on life after. It's, it's like having a baby. They prepare yeah. you to have it, but yeah. once after you have that, it, I was just like, what do you do with this thing you now? <laughs> yeah. You're on your own. Yeah. So it's like I was on my own, but I was very fortunate that uh, my family, uh, on my family side, my mom, my siblings and my dad, my dad was still alive. Um, they stepped in and they gave me the moral support, the financial support that I needed. 
I remember one time my dad has to, to sell, had to sell uh, two or three of his goats for me to be able to raise money for my daughter on her first year to go into boarding school because uh, Temba's pension wasn't out. And it took almost a year for the widow's pension to be released by the government. So all along, I had to scramble on my own. I was also grateful that my dad even had moved in with me uh, to also help me to pick up the kids from school, take them to school, take them um, to, to extracurricular activities, which is what uh, my husband used to do. Uh, although we, uh, we were both lecturing at the same college, uh, we had different schedules. So one of us had the opportunity to go and pick up the kids, take them to school and do whatever. Right. So my dad moved in. But unfortunately, two, 2003, two years down the line, my dad passed away. Oh. So that was the biggest blow again in my life. So um, a question about that. Mm -hmm. um, is divorce much different for those listeners out there for what just occurred with you? With, with It sounds so similar to what can occur um, because A, for some women, you don't know what the man has or what they've arranged or what they have document-wise, financial-wise. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You don't know what they have for assets, like it might be farm animals, it might be toys, it might be sea-doos or trucks or tractors or any of that kind of stuff. You don't know if they have a business that and what that looks like, and can you step into that business? So it's funny because all of this goes around your backup plan. Yes. It, it prepares you to understand what you both have together as well as what you may have separately so that you're more clear to step into that role when and, of course, when that time mm -hmm. comes. And the problem is we don't know when yeah. that time comes. But um, sorry to interrupt your great story. Oh, yeah. oh, uh, but okay. it sounds so familiar to divorce because yeah. your friends leave you, your your family changes structure and and people change somehow, yeah. even though you're still both there. But I also have a friend whose husband had major strokes and the same thing goes as well. Yeah, they might be basically a vegetable line there, but someone has to look after them, and the family all fights. Yes. So, yeah. So, sorry to continue on with yeah. your story. Yeah. yeah. No, um, it's okay, Tina, and it is very, very uh, relatable. When you get divorced and when you get widowed, it's the same thing. The only difference is, uh, in a divorce, the husband is still alive. Mm -hmm. And he can still be part of uh, the children's life, not not usually your your life, but part of the children's life. Right. You also have uh, a lot of surprises that come along, right? You are also going to be going to court to uh, to get what you deserve. The same thing with widows, because now we are also going to be fighting against the in-laws that are. Uh, or children, older children. children. Yeah, that want to grab stuff from you. Uh, they want to take everything from the widow. 
because they want to control the widow now because the husband is gone, especially in our African culture because um, the man pays the bride price. So I feel that is what gives them the rights to come into the widow's life and try and control everything. Because according to them, the widow is still the family property. That's how I see it. And I've spoken to a lot of widow and this is the same sentiments that they have. And uh, which of course is not right because you know, imagine if it's your daughter being treated like that. How yes, would you sure. feel? You know, how would you feel? Uh, because when I married my husband, he had nothing. He didn't even have a car. But we worked hard. We bought two cars. We, he started a business. We bought houses. We bought land. And we were also planning to build, you know, on that land. But all that was gone. I remained with zero. I had to start from scratch, which is what... Um, a, uh, a lot of widows uh, still in Africa, even here in Canada. I was talking to a widow uh, a couple of months ago and she was going through the same thing where the in-laws were just, were just greedy and insensitive instead of them coming in to support her because she was left with um, a two-year-old kid who had some major disabilities. And they overlooked all that and they still wanted stuff from her. So, you know, it's, it's like it's everywhere. I don't know why people behave the way they do um, once your loved one is gone. But yes, you feel like, you know, the rag has been pulled off your feet and you feel like you're falling into this bottomless pit, which is dark and you don't know when you are going to touch the ground. And it is very true that um, this is the time when you need your family around. I was and it, it's, it's so surprising because family has many meanings. Yes. So yes. his side of the family, the part that you're talking about, isn't necessarily your blood family, but it's your marriage family. Yes, yes. Whereas your own family sometimes can also, or siblings, or mm -hmm. your own children can also do that same to you. Yes. Yeah. And it's very okay. shocking to me mm -hmm. um, how anybody can have that influence or feel they have that control over when something drastic happens, whether it's divorce, sickness, or death, that things like this occur. And, um, and, and you have to find your strength to yes. overcome it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, when you get divorced, Tina, as I mentioned, you'd expect the in-laws to step in because I remember when all my brothers died, like the first, uh, my firstborn brother, when he passed away, my dad went to uh, my late brother's home for a month to be with my sister-in-law to help, to help her pack some stuff, help her to clean the house and just give her moral support. And we as sisters, we used to go over there to visit her over the weekends, uh, support her with anything that she wanted and would also invite her to our homes and she would spend time there. Even up to now, we are still in very good communication 
with uh, my three sister-in-laws. Uh, we communicate every time. Every time I go back home, uh, they come to see me. And we spend time in the village together, you know. And uh, even when my brother's pensions were out, my dad never claimed a penny from them, never. Because he knew that they kids, yeah, they needed more than him. He never demanded anything, you know. And we made it a point that we would support them, not the other way around. Mm -hmm. You know, my dad would buy chickens, would buy beef, would, uh, would grind maize back in the village and take it to my sister-in-laws to give them some cornmeal so that they have food for the children. I never got that from my in-laws. I never, I never got that. So when I decided to leave the country finally, I didn't have to tell them that I was leaving the country because I thought, you know, what's the point? They don't communicate with me. And uh, I tried to reach out. I did everything I could, you know. <laughs> but yeah, it just didn't work. So my, my mom encouraged me. You need to think about the future of your children. And this was after my dad passed away. And uh, one of my friends that was already in the States said, yeah, I'm going to um, help you to get a visa to America. She helped me. I got the visa. And I left the country. I didn't tell them. They only knew a month later that I had left. <laughs> <laughs> and so now they were like, oh, yeah, she has abandoned the kids. We knew it that, you know, as soon as uh, the money for our brother comes out, you know, the pension, uh, the widow's pension came out. But, you know, the inflation in my country was skyrocketing at that time. So the little money that... Uh, that was released. I withdrew 13,000 Tina and I took it to the village to my in-laws. I got home, uh, you know, in the village and then uh, we cooked a meal and, you know, it was all lovey-dovey until I took the envelope of money and I gave it to my son and I said, uh, give it to grandma. She got the envelope and she said, what is this? And I said, okay, um, the widow's pension is out. And so I thought it was best if I would give you something out of it. And then the rest, I'm going to keep it for, uh, for the children's education and their welfare. And she asked, how much is in there? And so I said about 13,000. Well, uh, 13,000 and more because there was some change in it as well. And so she took the money out, she looked at it, and she put it back in the envelope. She never said thank you. She put it on the side and she said, where is the rest of the widow's pension? And I said, the, oh, rest, dear. the rest of the widow's pension, what do you mean? She said, um, when you apply to get this widow's pension, who did you go with? And she said, I went alone. She's like, you were not supposed to do that. And you were not even supposed to touch that money without the presence of your brother-in-laws or your father-in-law. And I'm like, I didn't know I was supposed to come and tell you that I'm going to apply for, for the widow's pension. It, it, it took almost a year because, you know, as soon as your husband dies and then, you know, because we're at the college, the college is the one that will start the process. You know, so they filed everything for me and I had to be following up on my own. 
making mm -hmm. a journey every time uh, to travel about 300 kilometers to go to the uh, central government offices, which is where the pension's office for the whole country where. And so I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm like, I thought I did a good thing to withdraw this money and even tell you that the pension is out. If I was somebody else, I wouldn't have told you. No. It's like, well, somehow we were going to know that the pension money is out. Well, you were not even supposed to touch anything. You were supposed to bring the whole, the whole payout to us. And you bring your brother-in-law here. And then they would give you what you deserve. The rest, he would keep it. And then you would be going there every month to pick up money for groceries, money for uniforms for the school, money for their welfare. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, wow, I've never heard that before. You know, and instead of you saying thank you, and this is what I get. Wow. You know? And she went on and on until, you know, I just said to, to, to her, you know, it, I think it's enough. I am sorry that I even decided to come and give you this money. And then my father-in-law was sitting there and his mouth was also open, like, what's going on? And then he is the one that held me out because he interjected and said, no, stop. We are supposed to say thank you because she did something here that has never been done before. How many widows here in this village have gotten money and never came to, um, to the village to give the in-laws some money? She did something which is, uh, you know, commendable. We should mm -hmm. thank her. And so he stood up and came and gave me a hug which is very unusual in our African culture, that a father-in-law gives a hug to a daughter-in-law. And he was the one that was apologizing to me. I am so sorry, you know, with what uh, just happened. Thank mm -hmm. you so much for the money. And, you know, we are going to use it because we need money for fertilizer and stuff. Because I knew every month we would be sending them money for seeds, money for fertilizer, and money just, you know, to run uh, the homestead. I left there in tears. I was so broken down. I was planning actually to go back to, um, to my city, which is in Pekwe, but I decided to, to drive an extra uh, hundred and something kilometers to go to my parents' village at night. And we left there, I think it was around 8, 8 p.m. And I drove in the night and it was raining. I got home in the village. And when my mom saw my car coming, she got out of the house and she stood on the yard and was just looking like, what's going on? Why is Rose coming home so late? And as soon as I parked the car, I came out, I cried, I broke down. And everybody wants a hug from your mom when things have not gone well. You know, my mom came, she hugged me, and I just started crying. And my dad came out as well. And I just sat there crying in my, in my parents' arms. And they said, cry it out. We'll talk it out later when we are done. I cried and cried and cried. And then later when I was composed and they said, what's going on? And then I told them the story. 
my dad was furious. He wanted to go back to the village, uh, to my husband's village. I said, and my mom said, no, what's the point? What's the point? It has happened, he said, it has happened. They are ungrateful people. They are mm -hmm. supposed to have thanked. And then my dad was like, when my sons died, I never got anything from my daughter-in-laws. And I never asked anything. I didn't expect anything. You did something that has never been done. And on the other side, he was also mad with me. Why did you have to do it? You should have asked me first. They said, Dad, I thought it was only, you know, very commendable to do that. It is like, no, you shouldn't have. You should have asked me first. And I should have told you, no, because these people have, haven't been grateful at all for the things that you have done for them. And I thought, you know, the Christian in me told me to, you know, take to be up. fair. Yeah, to be fair. But yeah, so that was my journey with my in-laws before I left the country. And then when I left the country, I came to the U.S. Um, I couldn't get my immigration papers sorted out for me to get my children. So that happened um, in, in uh, 2003. That's when I left the country to go to the U.S. Three years in the U.S., I couldn't get my immigration status fixed. I couldn't get my children. So I got separated from my children for six years. Wow. Still, yeah. So I came into Canada in 2006 and um, worked on the paperwork to, to see if my children would come back. Fortunately, mm -hmm. I managed to get my papers, but that also took another three years before we finally uh, got reunited with my children. So now they are here, they are running their own businesses, they went to college, all of them are entrepreneurs. And it's a whole new life. It's a whole new life. When we go back home, we are now visitors in my own mother country because all of us are now Canadians and now we call Canada our home. <laughs> so the journey in Canada then, well, I guess, did it start with dating in the United States or did you wait until you came to Canada? Yeah, well, when I was in the States, to be honest, I didn't have time to date because um, there was just so much that was happening. You know, mm -hmm. you are a young widow, you are in a foreign country, uh, you can't even get a proper job because your, your immigration status is still crooked and uh, my children were still back home. So I had a lot on my plate and dating was the last thing that I ever tried. But uh, when I came to Canada, I thought, you know what, now that I'm in a new country and now I have hope that finally I'm going to get my children back. I dated this guy from my country, and I think I was just in the country for less than a year. And I met this guy, and I thought, oh, he's he's of age, and he seems like a nice man. He was he told me he was divorced, and um, his children. He had also three children. And I thought, well, that's a good match. But what I didn't realize was he was estranged from his children, and he had lied to me about that. And um, he still was still legally married and they had been separated for so long. He had told me that he was divorced and I kept on asking for the divorce certificate, which was never produced. And that was the other reason why we broke up. Because I thought, you know what, 
I don't want to be wasting my time with somebody that is, is still legally married. You are separated, but you still lie to me. Yeah. And this guy also, um, that relationship didn't work out very well because he was very emotionally abusive. Um, he would use um, a lot of my pain against me because uh, I had shared with him the journey that I had as a widow back home, how I wasn't getting along with my in-laws since the death of my husband. And he would use that against me. Sometimes, you know, when we get into arguments. And I thought, you know, that is, that is very insensitive. I shared that information with you because I felt we, we had something in common and we had this relationship going. Instead of you supporting me, now you are attacking me with my past. That's not fair. So that was also another reason uh, we, we broke up. The other reason also is um, I found out that when you have gone through a lot of challenges in life, you need to go through a proper healing journey. I hadn't healed from my pain, but what I had done is I had stashed my pain away somewhere. And I thought I was healed. And now there's a saying, Tina, that says, you attract who you are. I was broken and defeated and felt very insecure. And this is the kind of guy that I attracted. I attracted myself, but in a male fashion. And he was also going through a lot of um, emotions because of his estranged relationship with his ex-wife and his children. And the social worker in me thought, I could change him. I can change this. You know, I can fix that relationship. Make sure that he gets along with his children. Mm -mm. You can never change a man, Tina. The only person that can change a man is a mom when she is changing his diaper when he's a baby. Okay, everybody. Let's listen to that. That should be a quote on a shirt, okay? Yes. Because yes. when I was young, I thought you could change a man. Yes. I thought I know how to change a man. I can change that. I can fix that. Mm -hmm. No. No, you cannot. <laughs> you can never, and I will repeat again, never change a man. But a man will change for a woman he loves. When a man is in love, Tina, they will do anything for you. They will change for you, but you can't change them because they have a mind of their own. And this is the biggest mistake that a lot of women make. Yeah. They think they can change a guy. Never. You can never change a guy. You can never change a man. Yeah. yeah so that's, yeah, that will... That is I the think we should thing. trademark that. Yeah, I think we should. We should trademark that. Yeah, because, yeah, that was a shock for me because I thought, what happened to my social work skills? <laughs> <laughs> I can change other people's lives. Why can't I change him? And yeah, that was a wake up call. Like, mm -mm. you can never change a man. So you grew a lot from that experience? Yes. Mm hmm. I grew a lot, and uh, that is when I realized that um, I needed to give myself time to, to heal. But, you know, 
the woman in me thought, you no, know, maybe because it's from my country, it's from my race, uh, that is why I didn't wait. I tried again, Tina. <laughs> I fell in love with this uh, guy from the Caribbean. Very nice gentleman, well educated. He was an engineer. And I thought, ah, I am going to have a new life. Still, I still hadn't healed properly. And my demons kept following me. I still attracted the same person, but in a different nationality. And, and how do you was, know if you've healed or not? Yeah. Um, like when you're ready know, yeah. to not attract that wrong person. Of course, yeah. To know that you have healed, look at the people that you are attracting in your life and what you tell yourself. If you are still able to tell yourself when you are in a relationship that I can change that, I can fix that, you are attracting the wrong person and you haven't healed. Because remember, you attract who you are. So people need to go through a proper healing session do a personal inventory, a marriage inventory, a widowhood inventory to see exactly where you are and where you want to go. Before you do that, you have not gone through a proper healing session. And this is what I specialize in because it was um, a wake-up call for me. Yeah, yeah. especially it's when going... it happens again. Yeah. It slapped me right in the face the second time. That's when I realized. Mm -mm, it's I like those TikTok. There's a lady on TikTok that stands outside in a in a big property and she looks up into the sky and she says, "Universe, okay, I'm I'm done now. It's mm -hmm. okay. It's it's okay. You you can like leave me alone today." <laughs> <laughs> But you got slapped in the face again and said, you yes. haven't learned your lesson yet, the Rosemary. Time it came, you still haven't learned your lessons. <laughs> you know, what's wrong with you? <laughs> but yeah. So most of the times, the other question that we need to ask each other is, um, what happened to me to be where I am today? That goes yeah. really deep. That hurts. Yeah. That's when you start taking out that stuff that really hurts. And packing it out. And we need to do it as women. But most of the times we don't do it because we are busy pulling each other down, busy gossiping about each other instead of facing reality, helping each other when we need each other. Mm -hmm. Most of the times as women, we don't, we don't do that. I have a, a, a important question that probably ties into this now. And that is, uh, once you think that you've healed or mm -hmm. that you've been working on the healing part, yeah, you know, we all want love. Yeah, we do. So how do you move on? I, I want to, you know, say move on. You don't really move on. But how do you grow and open up your heart to someone after those experiences and the way that you feel that you've healed, but how do you, you know, open up your heart again? Open up your heart, yeah. Um, still on the, on the healing journey. When 
you think you have healed. Ask yourself this. Can you date yourself? Can you? Can you marry yourself? If you say no, then you need to have a conversation with yourself because you haven't healed. And I think it's one of those questions, Rosemary, where you ask yourself Mm -hmm. and you give yourself two seconds to answer it Mm -hmm. because your subconscious can answer it quickly. Yes. But your brain will say, oh, I'm okay, Tina. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So listen to what your subconscious says because your subconscious is the reserve bank of all your emotions. The stuff that you don't want people to know that happened years ago and you think you solved them. You think you have forgotten them, but your subconscious packs everything away and it will release it in droplets. But when that is still happening, it means there is a big gap between you and your dating life. And that gap needs to be closed. So if the answer is no, I cannot date myself, then go back to the drawing board. Go through a proper healing session. Because for me, when uh, clients come, I take them back to the day when everything fell apart. What happened to you? Mm-hmm. Now you are a widow. What happened for you to be a widow? What are your feelings? Yeah, your feelings, your emotions, your thoughts, your actions. And you'll be surprised how many people break down for the first time. And they'll tell you, I have never broken down like this before. It's because we don't deal with our grief the proper way. We have been raised, you know, uh, to stuff hush. it. Yes. Hush, don't cry. The kids are watching. You are, not so, you are not supposed to break down like that when everybody's watching. But the truth is, you need time to mourn, which is crying and, you know, releasing, releasing that sound. Yeah, and release it because that pain, you need to, to release it out. But we don't. I find a good song or a really sad movie helps Mm -hmm. to do that. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But for me, I have ways of poking the bear and bring you down to your knees and cry because I need you to cry. Because Mm -hmm. if you don't do that, then we are still scratching the surface. We need to go to the root of the problem. What is really keeping you awake? You know, right. Because most of the times we, you know, we, we are very good actors. We act, we put on makeup, we smile, we go into the office, hello everybody. But when the door is shut. We're a mess. You are a mess. <laughs> when you hit your pillow, you can't sleep. So it means you haven't healed. So, um, The other part also, if you are a widow, if you still feel guilty about dating because you have just lost your husband, it means you are not ready. If you still feel you are cheating on your late husband because it's too soon, then you still haven't healed. 
you need time to heal. If you have been divorced and you are still feeling very, very angry and you still want to revenge to your husband, it means you haven't healed because you need to let go all of that. So and that forgive. You can, and forgive. Forgive, forgive yourself. Him. Yes. Forgive yourself. Forgive him as well. Because if you don't, how are you supposed to bring in a new life, a new love mm -hmm. into your life when you still have that rotten love eating you away? Yeah, I always say you have to forgive yourself and you have to forgive the situation. Yes. What if that marriage or relationship looked like mm -hmm. for you? And mm -hmm. you have to forgive them yes. and, and accept that the lessons that they provided you were for you to grow. Mm -hmm. And that puts mm -hmm. it into a positive turn. Yes. Yeah. You are very right, Tina. Because everything happens for a reason. That's what I've learned. Everything happens for a reason. Absolutely. If through, yeah. If you have gone through a very nasty divorce, take that as a lesson. Mm -hmm. That is a lesson because the universe is trying to teach you something so that you can help other people. Look at mm -hmm. you and I. You yeah. We have gone through hell and back mm -hmm. and here we are helping other people that are also walking on the same path blindly. But now we can be their lights and mm -hmm. show them where to go. Absolutely. Um of course, when you are ready, now that we've, you know, gone through these experiences and the healing process of some sort, how much do you say to that date? You know, we get so excited. We want to go on that first date. And then I can see some women just blurting out a whole bunch of stuff from the past mm. and throwing it at that poor person that's sitting on the edge of the couch or, or beside <laughs> you or in front of you or, you know, how much do you say? On the first, second, or even the third date, it's for you only to know the person that's across the table. If you unload too much, you are going to scare that person and you are going to overwhelm him because he's trying to know you not your past. Yeah. Yeah. The biggest mistake we make, you know, we think, oh, yeah, because he has accepted to see me, it means he's going to accept me. Or you hear people saying, well, if they can't accept who I am, then I cannot take them in my life. No, you are being selfish because he is also trying to get to know you. He also has his own demons that he's dealing with. And now you are dumping more, more demons on him. It's too much. What we need to tell about this other person is, yes, I've gone through a rough divorce. I've gone through a rough widow journey. But I was able to deal with it. And here I am. I am ready to meet a new person like you in my life so that I can start a brand new relationship with a new person. My past has helped me to be the person that I am today. That right. sounds wonderful. That should be mm. a quote too. Yeah. So the biggest mistake we make is 
we are always trying to offload. Oh yeah, my indoor cities ah, and the children are always like this. I don't know how to deal with this. Maybe you can help me. No, he is not your social worker. Or counselor. Or counselor and or therapist. He is just a human being that is looking for love from you. Now, how do you expect him <laughs> to open up and find love with somebody who has so much baggage? It's all and, baggage. It, and it goes back to, would you want him, like you're saying of, of um, that you had said before, it goes back to that again, yeah. because you're really dating yourself. So would you want him to sit at the coffee shop across from you at the table and start mm -hmm. talking about his ex or his yeah. problems of, of, of crying and grieving yeah. and all of that. No, you wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't because, you know, uh, when you are ready to look for love, you are ready to fall in love with somebody who is ready to, you know, um, I don't want any woman to go into a relationship trying to be a social worker, a therapist, or uh, somebody to help somebody out. You are not his healer. You are supposed to be a partner, a lover, you know, probably a girlfriend, friend. a friend, a shoulder to cry on. But we get mistaken with the word shoulder to cry on. You think you can dump everything on this new guy. No, you have to do it in bits and pieces. Later on. Yeah, later on. The when you share things. Yes, the first few things is for you to get to know who he is without the baggage. Yes, you share the baggage. Yes, I went through a very rough divorce. Enough, stop there. You don't have to share the the A, B, until Z, no. If he asks, if he is interested in knowing what exactly happened, then you can share part of it, little by little. Because if you vomit everything on him, you overwhelm him, you scare him, and you run. Well, it'll be like a scary, uh... <laughs> it's like, oh, gosh, I have to deal with this? Like, where yeah. do I even start? Yeah, yeah. You're correct, because, you know, you will sit there trying to drink his coffee, and then he's like, wow, do I have to deal with all this too? Do I have to deal with your kids? Do I have to deal with the indoors? What about his friends? No, I don't have the energy for that. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. And how do you attract that right person? I think we talked about that. That was my question, but we, you had already mentioned it because you've already healed so that you're more open. You've opened up your heart to love again. Mm -hmm. And then that way you can attract that right person yeah, and not that right. needy person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for you to attract the right person, it starts with you. How confident are you? What are you showing the world about you? Because a high-valued man will look for a high-valued woman. The energy that you radiate is what is going to attract the right guy into your life. The law of attraction. Energy. Yes, will help you on that. If you are still under this negative cloud, 
yes, you are going to attract people that are full of negativity into your life. So we have to learn, forgive and let go. Start attracting brand new energy into your life. And that also includes your friends, the type of friends that you are in, the type of environment, the words that come out of your mouth. What are you saying about yourself? A lot of people are very good at throwing pity parties and they don't know they are throwing a pity party because they're always feeling sorry for themselves. Oh, you know me, this is what happened. Do you think I'll ever find love? Do you think I always do? Is their broken story every time you say hi to them? Yeah, guess what has happened today? You know that guy? That, <sighs> around and around and around. Around and And it's always the same story over mm -hmm. and over. It's exhausting. It's exhausting to the person that's listening and to you as well. In and your own you head. Do, yes, <laughs> your own head. Because, you know, you... You are just putting extra weight on yourself each and every time because the more times we feel guilty about our past, the more times we regret what happened. Regret is the worst disease that we, we suffer as women because they are always there, oh my goodness, I wish I had done that. Well, it has happened. Time is gone and you can't take the past back. What are you going to do with your life? Because your tomorrow, Tina, starts right now. Today. What are you doing? Yeah, today. What are you doing today to change your life? What are you doing today, you know, uh, to find love? So this is where relationship coaches like myself come in. I will help you to show where you need to go, the kind of men that are good for you, and how you can do it. Where are you going to meet these people? Sometimes it will take you to change your circle of friends. Yes, you have to eliminate some of them to attract the new energy yes. in. Yeah. And this is the time when pruning gets into action. Gets important. Yes, it's very important. Because if you want your rose bushes to grow and have more buds, you have to prune the old branches out, the old dead leaves out. And these are all the friends that have been weighing on you. You stop nurturing yourself. Look after yourself. Self-care is very important. Go back to the drawing board. What are you doing to make yourself happy? Because the biggest mistake we make as women is we wait for these men to come into our lives and make us happy. You have to be able to be happy on your own. You have to be able to be happy as a single woman empowered, savvy, sexy, strong woman. You have to tell yourself you are beautiful. I am sexy. I am powerful. I am a happy woman and I can do this. Once you walk out with your head straight on your shoulders. So it could be a man too, of course. Yes. It could be the same way. It also happens, yeah, on the, on the men too. Mm -hmm. They also need to be confident. Most of the times, you know, when I'm out there, even in the supermarket, I can, I can tell from the way a person is walking <laughs> that he is troubled. This one you need to run. Or they hold themselves. Yes. Right? Yeah. And, some and then when they talk. Yeah. 
Some people, uh, they walk around in a cage. They put themselves in a cage. You surround yourself with all these steel walls. You still haven't opened yourself. And then when you open yourself, you are now in a cage. But there's still, still bars. People can see you, but, I, but they cannot get to you. So you need to bring down those walls so that you can get out of the cage and go into the world and meet new men. I think that would be really fun to actually do for mm -hmm. any listeners out there that you could actually, if you feel like you've healed, that mm -hmm. you could spend a few weeks going to the grocery store, going yeah. shopping, just getting out there amongst people and start looking at individuals, even if yeah. you're not going to date them or anything, just individuals, mm -hmm. how they walk, what they say, how yeah. they react, how do they, it's all the, all the all of the different things mm -hmm. to see if you can um take your emotions out of it and really be able to to grow yeah to... Mm -hmm. yeah you're very right because sometimes even when you're sitting in a restaurant check out the way he's treating the serving staff or at another table how yeah. they react to each other Start looking at. Yeah, start looking at that. I can't get sure. over the amount of people that sit with their phones and they're out having yeah. lunch together. And they're having lunch with their boyfriend or their husbands. You know, I was laughing the other day with um. Yeah, my mom was was still alive. That was back in 2017, and uh, I said to my mom, "Look across the uh, the other car." I bet those people have been married for a long time. <laughs> and she said, why do you say that? Because the husband was just sitting like this, looking sternly in front, and the wife was looking the other way, and then when she looks the other way, she gets back to her phone, never looks at the partner. And I thought, hmm, these are either in a big fight, something is wrong, or they've been married for a long time, and there's no spark anymore between them. But when you are a traffic light, that's where you can see. You can see a lot. I see a lot. You know, you can see couples laughing or, you know, the wife has got a hand over to, uh, to the husband or, you know, vice versa. But you can see that there is a lot of interaction. Then, you know, this is a happy couple. But most of the times you see that the wife is looking out the window on the other side, not even looking at the husband. <laughs> That's a mistake. <laughs> That's a mistake. That's a mistake. Because when you're at traffic light, you have a few minutes just to look at each other and smile, you know. But it doesn't happen that way, especially if the relationship is already on the rocks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we talk about on the show all the time and mainly around someone that's passing away about being present in the moment yeah. and that mm -hmm. you can't be if you're worried about where all their stuff is you yeah. know where's their bank accounts and where's their finances and where's the key and what does the cat eat all of these things that go into your backup plan app help you prepare for all of that so that when that person is in a coma you can actually you know, sit with them and yeah. talk to them and be present and not worry about the stress, not, yes. you know, and, and every moment, you don't know when you're going to get another moment. You don't know yes. what tomorrow's going to bring. So 
be present and be be able to have that opportunity of gratefulness that you're able to be with that person. Yeah. Enjoy every moment because tomorrow is never promised, you know. And I always look back like when I got married, saying my vows until death do us part. That statement haunted me 12 years later because yeah. you never know. Yeah. Yeah. What would you like to say to the listeners out there? I mean, I hate to end this because we're going to have to have you come back again. <laughs> I think a whole other topic could be uh, domestic violence. We mm -hmm. could do another video on that. We could do another one on grieving, just mm -hmm. things to do to grieve, to, yeah. to release. Um, but for today, um, I think we've really given a lot of people some good thoughts, good thoughts to, yeah. to take uh, and move forward. Um, so what would you like to say to the listeners um, for your final message? My final message to uh, the listeners, you could have been divorced, widowed, or heartbroken. There is life after grief. The first thing you need to do, stop regretting. Stop feeling guilty about the things that you could have done in the marriage before you got divorced. Because yesterday is gone. We can't do about, uh, we can't do anything about it. It's like you can never cry after, a, uh, what do you say, spilled milk. When you spill the milk, it's gone. You can't scoop it back into the cup. Even if you do, you are going to scoop very little of it, including some debris into that milk. So it's no longer the pure milk. So yesterday is gone. Your today starts now. What are you doing today for your tomorrow? Because the more time you waste feeling guilty, regretting, and feeling sorry for yourself, life is going on with or without you. Healing is a choice. What is your choice today? Throwing pity parties. To me, I call it, it's a self-destructive behavior because it's only killing you and not changing the situation. The situation is getting worse right in front of you. You need to be realistic. Look at what is holding you back, what's keeping you awake. Get down to the root of the problem before you waste most or too much of your precious time. Life is too short to continue. It sure is. Yeah. Um, I always think of, I don't know if you saw Seinfeld, um, but yes. it's on, on YouTube where George was trying to find love and he decided that he was going to do the opposite to what he normally does. Because, I, I mean, and that's probably kind of goes with people that haven't healed yet. Yes, yeah. You know, yeah. To, to know, well, I'm... I would normally pick this kind of person. I would normally say this. I would normally do this. So let's do the opposite to that. It's a very funny skit for anybody and anyone listening out there. Um, I, I actually loved it. I thought there was quite a bit of humor in humor, into the humor. whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and to have laughter, I, I think that's mm -hmm. super important. And feel the feels and and 
and understand the music and um and i i loved what you said um i think people have to love themselves um yes. first mm -hmm. and and to be able to to grow some more mm -hmm. yeah because um you can never love another person much less than you love yourself mm -hmm. Some people say, I love myself, I love God. I, I mean, some people say that. God is you. You are yeah, God, I guess. You are God. Because yeah. you are a God's very precious creation. So how can you love God more when you don't love yourself? Mm -hmm. Everything starts with you. And loving somebody new coming into your life, how are you going to love them more than you love yourself? everything comes back to you because for them in order for them to love you they have to know how much and see how much you love yourself because you are you attract who you are people are special yes yeah people will love you the way you teach them how that's you really know? important yeah because if you are not able to give yourself time to take care of yourself, you go for grooming, get your hair done, get your nails done, go out with your friends, go out to watch movies. You have time just that day just to watch funny movies and laugh. You drive a clean car. You know, I always tell my clients, you know, everything comes back to you. You wake up in the morning, can't even make up your bed. And, <laughs> okay. What kind of life are you are you living? Everything. Okay, I'm going to tell you my secret. Mm -hmm. Check out their car. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be new or special mm -hmm. or anything, but check out the inside because the inside that tells you what they're like. It tells you a lot about a person. Even if it's a guy, Tina, I used to do that. When I go out with a guy, I want him to take me for a ride because I want to see inside of his car yeah yeah if you get in there and you need a helmet <laughs> it means going to his house oh my goodness it's worse than the car it's worse yeah because we spend so much time in our cars and people don't realize that you know yeah and if you can't clean up your car your car becomes your 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 garbage can then, well, it's a picture of your life. Yeah, it's a picture of your life. Yeah. Then what kind of a home do you come out of if you can't clean yeah. your car? And yeah. a lady for that matter. Exactly. Yeah. For both women and men. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cars, it's very important. Keep your car clean. Outside okay. and inside. Yeah. Very yeah, I, I love a clean car. <laughs> Me too. I'm, I'm a clean freak when it comes to my car. Even my kids, they know. When they take my car for anything, mama wants a car clean. They yeah. know. It's yeah. so hard when you have kids because it mm -hmm. seems like, where does all this come from? <laughs> I just don't know where it accumulates from. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, as women, uh, uh, our children are like video cameras, Tina. They learn from us. If you train them when they are young, that mom doesn't want garbage cans, you know, uh, Tim Hortons cups in the car, they will learn to pick up after themselves. You know, mm -hmm. tell them when they leave the car, 
pick up your garbage and they will pick up their garbage. You know. And hopefully they'll think of it in other locations as well. And yeah. Think that they can just throw it out on the <laughs> road. Or... No, no, mm -hmm. no. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was awesome, Rosemary. I, I hope that this has really given people some things to think about. Mm -hmm. And remember, Rosemary's, all of her stuff that you can find down below in the description box below, um, as well as all of our posts. Uh, uh, including on podcast and YouTube. So please take a moment and subscribe to our channel and click on that bell. I'm taking out my hand again because it's somewhere down here. Ring my bell. Ring my bell. My old 70s song. So when you are thinking about someone special today, and that you love and care about, please reach out to them when you're listening to the show. You know, pick up the phone, FaceTime, Zoom them, Skype them, whatever you have to do, because you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. And so stay tuned to our podcast and our live shows. Um, have a great, we have great conversations with some of the most interesting and accomplished uh, people in the whole world today. I think you'll be entertained, informed, and I always have to read my notes because it's too much to, to memorize. We have inspired you and motivated you in today's show to start thinking about, you know, how you can prepare yourself for dating, whether it's a divorce or death or grieving, whether it's, um, being in a relationship at this moment, whether it's with a family member or spouse or partner, and have that DIY project to get your stuff together with your backup plan today, because you don't know what tomorrow may bring. We were all, um, all of our podcast plat, we are on all the podcast platforms. We are on YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, TikTok and Facebook, as well as we have a VIP Facebook group where you have the same like types of community where you can ask questions, talk to other guests, um, look at when the next workshops are. Uh, I welcome you to join this group. Thank you for sharing um, all that you did with us, Rosemary. You're very open. Um, very vulnerable, and I appreciate every second of, of your knowledge. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so we always end with wonderful Carol Burnett. Um, do, you do you remember who Carol Burnett is? Mm, no. No, because no. of the other country, I guess. But yeah. she's actually still on reruns on TV sometimes. Okay. And um, Carol Burnett was a very a funny American comedian who made us all laugh. And so I always end our podcast with Carol Burnett. I'm so glad we had this time together just to have a laugh or sing a song. Seems we just get started. And before you know it comes a time we have to say so long. So long. <laughs> So long, everybody. So long. Thank you, Rosemary, for being a wonderful guest today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you you're, for having me, Tina. Oh, it's you're very, very welcome. 
And be kind, be safe, wear a mask, whatever you have to do, wherever you're listening from. We uh, are going to get past this wonderful pandemic in some shape or form. Yes. So be safe and be kind. Till next time, lots of love. Bye. Bye-bye.